All right, good morning. How y'all doing? Yeah, you can respond. You're doing pretty good. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Thanks for shaming me, uh, Jesse, for not having a communion cup. I appreciate that. Uh, anyway, it is great to be here this morning. Man, it's so beautiful. What a great weekend. You know, this time of year in Chicago, I mean, I've lived in Chicago pretty much my whole life, and you know the routine. You've got to cherish every day like this because you know our days are numbered. It's going to get so ugly. I'm sorry to bring you down, but man, we just know what's going to happen. Anyway, it is great to be here. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate, and hopefully you're all uh, finding your way to our new location here at the Lincoln Hall, and just uh, so grateful for the staff here and how accommodating they have been as we've transitioned to this new, new place, so i um, excited about what God's doing. You know, uh, once in a while, I find myself scrolling through the internet. Anybody else? Am I the only one? Yeah, right, okay. And an effort to, right, solve the world's problems. No, not at all. And occasionally I'll come across some pretty funny stuff, and one of them are pictures labeled, uh, you only had one job. Have you seen that? Yeah, you only had one job. Okay, they have example of example of people who royally mess up. I mean, like just the simplest of tasks, right? They've got one job to do, and they miss the mark completely. Here's a couple of examples. This one got a little early here. All right, somebody labeled this product long yellow things. Now, really, was it too hard to type in bananas in your little label maker? I mean, come on, all right? Or how about this one? Open nine days a week. They had one task, all right? Put a slogan up there, anything, all right? They put open nine days a week. Kind of makes me wonder, are they open 25 hours a day too? Anyway, uh, this portable sign I think is my favorite, right? <laughs> Give cyclists space. So let's block the cyclist's path with the sign and force them to go into traffic just to show them how much we care about them. Oh my goodness. Well, it's easy to laugh at these, you only had one job examples. But let me just ask you, how many times have you felt like you missed the mark? How many times have you felt like maybe you missed the mark? And, and I think we'd agree that, you know, mislabeling bananas is, you know, not the end of the world. But what about when you feel like you might be missing the mark when it comes to more important matters in life? I mean, do you ever wonder if maybe you're missing the mark in your career? Do you ever feel like sometimes you're missing the mark maybe when it comes to some of your most important relationships? Or do you ever feel like, you know, you're missing the mark maybe even in your overall direction in life? Do you ever feel that way? Or maybe just kind of wonder? I mean, what then? Well, as Jesse said, you know, we're in this series called Searching for Answers, and we research the top questions that people are actually Googling. And many of these questions are what you might call head questions, all right? They have to do with increasing our knowledge or our understanding. One question I've been Googling this past week is, where can the Bears find a new head coach? <laughs> Last week was awful, all right? Hopefully we'll get over it this week. But some questions that people are Googling are really practical. You know, we might call them hand questions because they deal with something we want to do, like, you know, how to fix a leaky faucet. But other questions have to do with our heart and how we feel, how we feel about something. And they, they often deal with matters that might even keep us awake at night, like this question that we're looking at today, what am I supposed to do with my life? What am I supposed to do with my life? Um, this question, what am I supposed to do with my life, is one that I thought I wouldn't be asking after I was like, I don't know, maybe 30 or 35 years old for some reason. I, I thought, you know, I'd figure it out, I'd be set, I would know and pursue my purpose in life. But I gotta be honest with you today, I think I've probably asked this question, just to be completely honest, more the last five years I think I had in the previous 25. I don't know if that's good news or bad news for you, okay? It just tells you, you never really stop asking this question. Uh, a while back, I had to um, get a new life insurance policy. Anybody ever done that? You kind of have to go through the rigmarole to get a new life insurance policy. 
and uh, they asked me to share my work history. All right, here's how the conversation went. Uh, Mr. Ferguson, can you please tell me your work history? And I'm like, well, yeah, I've pretty much had the same job ever since I got out of college. I started a nonprofit, a church with my brother. I'm still doing it. There's almost like a gasp on the other end of the line. And they go, oh my goodness, I have never talked to anybody that has been in the same job for that long. And I'm, you know, part of me is kind of proud of it, but then I start like thinking, maybe overthinking, like, yeah, that's a long time. And it might sound crazy, but you know, I still find myself asking this question, you know, at times, is this really what I'm supposed to do with my life? And certainly life is, is much more than just our work, right? Our vocation. But when I ask that question, you know, on my good days, I, I go back to the same source over and over again to remind me of the answer to that question. And, and no, it's not Google. <laughs> uh, maybe this will help you explain uh, what I mean. I brought some items with me today. These are some um, really old products. I want to see if you can help me. You'll, you'll know what they are, I think, but you probably haven't seen them for a long time. All right. For example, uh, let's, uh, let's take a look at this product right here. Anybody know what this is? Yeah, I haven't seen one of those in a long time, if maybe ever. What is this like early 2000s? I was trying to remember, something like that. Yeah, this is before music went digital, right? And uh, I think Sony had the most popular one. It was called the Discman. And you'd have a whole bunch of these, right? Remember these bad boys? Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Put that in there like that. Just close it, turn it on. And man, you get to play some great music, right? You're walking around with your Discman. You're really hip, hip with the kids, right? But that's the purpose of that, right? The creator made this right, to play music. Now we think it's crazy, but that was the purpose. All right, how about this one? This is going to go back a little bit further. Oh, I actually brought a CD, too. Any Bruce Hornsby and the Range fans? All right, anyway, just showing my age there. Okay, how about this item right here? Anybody seen one of these in a while? All right, how about that? Yeah, right on, a rotary phone. A man named Almond Brown Stroger invented this rotary phone so that you could actually make a phone call without dialing up the operator first. Did you know that? You had to dial the operator first back then in order to make a phone call. Now, it was nice that you didn't have to dial up the operator, okay, but unfortunately, it still took you like 15 minutes just to dial the number. I mean, check this out. Six, I'm going to dial my wife. Three, zero. I won't give you the whole phone number, but... And you don't want any eights or nines in your phone number. That is for sure, because a nine takes like forever. I'm still dialing the number. Can you imagine that? Yeah, still. Hello, honey, you still there? No, you got tired of me dialing the number. Okay, anyway... But yeah, I mean, the purpose of that thing was a phone. We laugh at it now because we can't imagine using it, but that was the, the purpose of, of uh, the creator making what he made it there. And what I'm trying to tell you is that these products have a story. These products have a story, how they were created, and they were created for a purpose. And you know where I'm going with this probably already. In the same way, see, when I need to be reminded of my purpose, what do I do? I look to my creator. When I need to be reminded of my purpose, I look to my creator. In the very beginning, God designed us, and this passage may be familiar to some. And God said, let us make human beings in our image, in our image, God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, right there, three in one from the very beginning. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. <laughs> in Chicago, I couldn't help it. Oh, we get to reign over the rats. How nice is that? <laughs> Um, but see, not only is God our creator, but our creator created us in his image. We bear the very image of God. 
I mean, just pause and think about that for a moment, would you? We bear the very image of God. You and I were created in the image of God. I mean, the very sort of imprint or, or watermark of God is on every single one of us. And it's not only us. It's every person on the planet. I mean, if you were to walk out those doors right now onto Lincoln Avenue, every single person who walks by, tall, short, big, small, and everything in between, every single one of them are created in the image of God, even the ones you don't like at all, <laughs> even the people you can't stand to be around. <laughs> yeah, created in the image of God. You ever heard the term imago Dei? Imago Dei, you know what that means? Image of God. The image of God, the imago Dei is in you. Tell you what, turn to somebody near you and say, you bear the image of God. Look them in the eye and say that you bear the image of God. <laughs> the writer of Psalms uh, put it this way. For you created, God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. You and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are no accident. You are here for a purpose. And the only one who can truly answer the question, what am I supposed to do with my life, is your creator. I was talking with a friend of mine uh, a while back about this very question. He happens to be a professor of theology. And so I, I figured he'd have a pretty good uh, concept of God's purpose for our life. And he said that if you take a little bit of a deeper look into this question, you'll find that our creator has given all of us, every single one of us, an identity, a calling, and an assignment. All right? He said we all have an identity, we have a calling, and we have an assignment. And I, and I found that to be really helpful. So I want to kind of just dig into that a little bit deeper over the time that we have remaining here. And let's, let's look first at our identity. Our identity. You know, one of Jesus' closest followers and friends, the Apostle John, writes this. He says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called what? Help me out. Yeah, children of God. And that is what we are. What are we? Yeah, children of God. What is your identity? You are a child of God. That is who you are. And if you want to understand your purpose in life, you've got to start there. Always. Don't miss this. If you want to understand your purpose in life, you absolutely have to begin right there. You are a child of God, always. That is who you are. And as his child, he lavishes. I mean, you know, the, the writer there could have used all sorts of words, and he said, lavishes his love on you. Now, when you lavish love on somebody, I mean, that's probably like you two right now. You're just, you're just lavishing love on each other. Right? I mean, it's just crazy lavishing that love. You're not going to come back anymore. So if you're asking questions about who you are or what your purpose is in life, you've got to come back to this over and over again. Man, I am a child of God. Dan, you are a child of God. Barb, you are a daughter of God, right? Rachel, you are a child of God. Jeffrey, you are a child of God. Now, the foundation of your identity is that you are a child of God. And the beautiful thing about this identity is that it comes from him and not from you. 
The beautiful thing about your identity is it comes from God and not from you. It's not based on the number of followers you have on Instagram or how many likes you got on a particular post. It's not based on your accomplishments at work or at school or even in the community. It's not based on your relationship status or how much income you can bring in. You can't earn it. You can't lose it. And even if you make a colossal mistake, you are still his child and there's nothing you could do or say that would make him love you any more or any less than he does right now. You know, Jesus had performed no miracles. He'd not spoken before any crowds of any size at all. As far as we know, up to this point, he had lived a relatively quiet life of preparation for what was about to come. And then he was baptized. And as he came up out of the water, God the Father said, This is my son. In him I am well pleased. That was his identity. And that is your identity. You are his son. You are his daughter. That's where we begin. I could probably talk for two or three hours on that one right there. That is where we begin. And if you start asking the question, if you're asking this question, what am I supposed to do with my life? You've got to start by resting in the reality that you're a child of God. That is your identity. And in some ways, that should put a little smile on your face. Nobody's going to love you like God loves you. Every other human being will disappoint you. Even the, the best marriage on the planet, as good as it is, as good as she is, <laughs> it's going to be disappointing at some point. But you will always be a son or daughter of the God of the universe. You see, then you can recognize this, that all of God's children not only have an identity, but they have a calling. And, and what many people don't realize is that this calling is really the same for every one of us. Did you know that? Our identity is that we are children of God. Our calling is actually the same for all of us also. Matthew, uh, the tax collector, all right? Tax collectors weren't liked. He turned follower of Jesus. And he tells the story of a man um, who came to Jesus. And we know him as a rich young ruler. Now, if there was anyone who you would think didn't need to worry about his purpose in life, it would be this guy, right? I mean, he was rich, he was young, and apparently he had status because he was known as a ruler. But apparently, all that wasn't enough for him. And so he comes to Jesus wanting to know, what is life all about? He actually asks what the greatest commandment is. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And I love how this guy asks Jesus for the greatest commandment, right? Singular, right? And Jesus gives him not one but two, right? Wrapped into one, if you will. They're inseparable. And he says, if you are one of mine, if you're a child of God, then you're going to love God and you're going to love people. If you're a child of mine, you're going to love God, but you're going to also love people. You cannot separate those two. And in the first part of Jesus' answer, he's quoting what you might sometimes hear called the Shema. All right, just say Shema, Shema. Yeah, and this is from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures in the book of Deuteronomy. And this command is called the Shema because the Hebrew word for here is what? Guess what? Yeah, Shema. And it's a reminder for us to hear and to respond. It's not enough to just hear it. You've got to respond. Shema. 
It's a reminder to hear and respond to this truth. It's our calling. And what I hope you hear me saying today is that this command or calling, it's ancient and it's universal. It orientates, orients our hearts towards God and helps us re resist the pull towards activism that is separate from our love for God. Instead, you see, everything, everything we're called to do flows from our love for God. Everything. But Jesus doesn't just stop with his command to love God. No, the second part of this two-for-one commandment is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, our calling isn't only to love God. It also includes loving our neighbors, see? And that keeps our faith from becoming just a sort of like a, you know, just Jesus and me sort of thing. No, that's not what it's all about. You see, our identity as a child of God calls us to not only love God, but to love our neighbors in real, practical, and even sometimes costly ways. But that's our calling. And as a, as, a, as a family, as a community right here in Lincoln Park, that's what we want to be known for. We want to be known as people who love God and in the same way we love people like nobody's business. That is our calling. And I love it, man. Rather than a, a list of do's and don'ts, Jesus gives us a direction to go. Rather than a bunch of boxes to check, he shows us how to be. Rather than a set of rules to follow, he gives us relationships to foster. Communicator, uh, commentator Frederick Dale Bruner puts it this way. Jesus opens the hearts of believers like flowers to the sun into an affectional life. We were made to love. His double command, his double love command gives humans a direction to face and a way to be. I love that. His double command to love gives us a direction to face and a way to be. Which really brings us to the third aspect of understanding your purpose, and it's your assignment. So you've got identity, you've got calling, and then you've got assignment. And your assignment is the way that God wants you to fulfill your purpose in this life in a particular way at a particular time. You see, your identity will always remain the same. You will always be a child of God. Your calling will always remain the same. You will always be called to love God and love people, but your assignment will likely change at different seasons and at different times for various reasons. And in his letter to the people in Ephesus, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. Again, created in his image. The Imago Dei, dearly loved children that are called to love God and to love others. And there are good works for us to do. We have an assignment, right, that God prepared in advance for each of us to do. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about where you currently live, uh, maybe where you work, and then I also want you to think about maybe where you play, where you work out, where you hang out, maybe where you enjoy creation. Just think about those places, okay? Where you live, you got it? You're thinking about it? You're kind of letting that rattle around on your head there, where you live, where you work, maybe where you play, where you work out, where you hang out, whatever it might be, where you enjoy God's creation. If you have those in your mind, I want you to think, like, what, what longings... What longings does God sometimes stir in you when you're in those places? What longings does maybe God sort of like bring up in you when you're in your neighborhood? Maybe when you're at work. Maybe when you're out and about hanging out wherever you hang out. What almost brings you to tears even at times? Uh, what do you see or hear about and you think, you know, that's just not okay? That's just not okay. It's not supposed to be that way. 
Is there something that you see happening around you, maybe where you live, where you work, maybe it's somewhere nearby, maybe it's somewhere far away, but think about where you work, where you play, where, where you spend time. Is there something there that you just kind of have like maybe even sort of a holy discontent about? Is there something that you want to change or improve? See, I think these questions can help you begin to discern your assignment, what it might look like for you to actually love God and love others in a very tangible way in those spaces. And I know, you know, when you begin to think about your assignment, some of it might feel a little bit uh, discouraging even at times because, you know, you might be in a season of learning or preparing for a next step, and so your assignment might feel a little bit in limbo. You ever feel that way? Um, you may be in the early years of your career, and I don't know, maybe you feel like you know, you're kind of having to buy your time, or you're, you know, maybe it feels a little empty and meaningless right now. And boy, I would say for all of us in this pandemic, wow, I mean, it has been easy to feel like there's so many obstacles to living out your assignment. Yet, you know what, I, I, I truly believe, and this has been a really hard one for me to, to remind myself of, because it's easy to see only the obstacles. I believe there are opportunities, even here, in the in-between spaces and in the overwhelming places, if you will, to love God and to love your neighbors. And I've found that living out your God-given purpose can actually make some of the most mundane seasons much more exciting. Sybil Stanton writes this. She says, your purpose has nothing to do with grandiose goals, lofty achievements, or universal fame. It is the quiet confidence that even if you never leave your neighborhood, you will have lived fully. You see, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what season of life you may be in, God has an assignment for you in that space. You know that? Uh, there's a few people right here at Community Lincoln Park. Uh, Kelsey Kelsey's an elementary school teacher uh, I don't think she's here today. She's a little bit under the weather this weekend, I think. And um, she saw the needs of children in her school that didn't have backpacks and school supplies. And so out of her identity as a child of God and her calling to love God and to love people, she and some friends just collected up some 20 backpacks and supplies to provide kids that might not otherwise have the supplies that they need. Uh, Dan and Amy also are a part of our community here, and they're in the suburbs this weekend uh, they have full-time jobs, live right here in Lincoln Park. That's where God has them right now. And they saw leading a, a small group. Jesse mentioned our small groups. He, they saw leading a small group via Zoom as a way to reach people who are close by and also some that aren't very close by. And I mean, they're seeing God do some amazing work through them and through the people that are part of that group. Um, Jesse, who is up here, who I always have to follow, who's much funnier than I will ever be, uh, but when Jesse's not here on weekends, in addition to being a resident here at Community, um, he's a barista at two different cafes in, in Evanston, and on occasion we'll have conversations, and Jesse will tell me how, you know, he just looks for opportunities to love people that walk into those cafes. And apparently it's overhearing their conversations, these two ladies. <laughs> and by old ladies, I kind of was thinking, <laughs> what age did you have in mind there, Jesse? <laughs> I totally divert and will not go there for a second. But, you know, Jesse looks for ways to love on people. I know he does in those cafes. And if the opportunity arises, you know, he might even tell them the difference that Jesus has made in his life. He sees that as his assignment, but it's based out of his identity 
as a child of God and his calling to love God and to love people. Does that make sense? Give me a nod of the head. Is that? Yeah. See, Kelsey, Dan and Amy, Jesse, they're all children of God, called to love God and love people, and they're following their assignment at this time and in this place. They're not necessarily grandiose, right? But, man, they're making an impact, making a difference. And what I hope you see is that there's a tremendous kind of freedom in your assignment. Don't miss this, okay? So often I think we kind of pray, God, tell me exactly what you want me to do right now. Tell me exactly what it's going to look like. And I think God is saying to us, well, you know what? You already know your identity. You're, you're a child of God. You already know your calling. You're supposed to love God and love people. And as for your assignment, you kind of choose. And I wonder if God might be saying to us, you know what? Um, what are the good works I'm giving you the chance to do right now where you live, where you work, and where you play. Just let me, God's saying, I think, help you love others in very tangible ways, the people that you already come into contact with every single day. Don't get caught up in the always thinking about what's next or if, if only or, well, eventually I will. No, look for those opportunities right now to live out your assignment. Uh, here's a story of a young woman from Aurora uh, who realized her next assignment was uh, something she didn't expect. Let's watch this. My name is Kelsey, and my husband is Andy, and we've been attending community for two years. I moved to Aurora with the mindset that it would be very temporary. My hope was to move to another country. Um, I had just come off of living in England for several years, and I think just being exposed to different cultures, I was very drawn to that. And so when we moved to Aurora, I did not decorate my home. I did not settle in, in any sense of the word. When the pandemic was about to hit is when I started to realize and that light bulb started to go off that what I wanna do in other countries, I can do here and I should do here if I think I want to do it and would be good at it in other countries. That desire to leave started to shift into a desire to love the people that are here in front of me. I've really just genuinely fallen in love with the people in Aurora, in my job in Aurora, the way I can be involved in the community. And I guess I noticed a shift because a couple of years ago when I was having that light bulb moment, I started waking up in the day like ready to get up and actually go to work and and do things in the community because it felt like my home and my community and i really care about the well-being of the people there and i want the people there to be successful and to thrive in life as i realized how invested i was in the community of aurora um, 3C community was a great way to be more holistically supportive of the community, uh, not just practically with my work, not just relationally with people there, but also spiritually. A lot of the practical things involving a 3C of eating together, of meeting in somebody's home, and just studying a small passage together, asking questions and having discussion, like those are themes that you very much see in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. In a way, it's very biblical uh, to do a 3C style expression. And I think it kind of breaks it down to the roots and you can kind of cut away some of the extra stressors that can be involved in, you know, attending a full institutional church. I love the idea that it's for anybody and that it's a safe place and that people who have experienced a sense of betrayal or disenfranchisement or any kind of mistrust with the church they have a place to go and still connect with God. As we were trying to figure this out, my expectation going into this church was that we would almost have to convince the people coming that this is worth their time, despite their mistrust of the church. But because we had already established really good relationships with those people, they just jumped in and they were like, 
really happy to participate and it was a really pleasant surprise in the end. I felt such a sense of contentment and peace and joy in like getting up every day and going to work and being involved in the community in Aurora. And that's that sense of contentment I have never had at any other points, even with other assignments. I think because I was always looking ahead to like, okay, when can I travel? When can I move abroad? When can I do the next thing? But I'm very content here too. And God has, I don't know, trained me up for, for this moment and these people as well. And I just genuinely love these people and I love the city of Aurora and the community there. I love Kelsey's story because even for me, it's such a reminder, you know, it's so, it be, that it's so easy to get caught up in like, well, you know, maybe maybe down the road or what's next or, you know, eventually something different's going to happen and I'll be able to do what I really want to do. And instead, she just like jumped in, started loving the people right there in her community. So let me just remind you, you are a child of God. That is your identity. And as this child, your calling is to, to love God and to love people around you with everything you've got and if you're not sure of your particular assignment man we would love to help you figure it out jesse mentioned earlier small groups small groups are a great way for you to gather with other people who are on this same journey it doesn't mean you have it all figured out but gather with other folks that are on this same journey we're all trying to figure out what our assignments are do it with a group of people don't do it on your own but i gotta tell you i've also found this to be true and i kind of want to land here today it's something i read this week from Hannah Wong, and she said, I, can't st I can stand confidently in God's purpose when I sit consistently in his presence. Let me say that again. I can stand confidently in God's purpose when I sit consistently in his presence. And so we're going to take some time here as we kind of dial it down a little bit to do just that, to sit in the presence of God. And I love this next song that we're going to sing. It's titled Wake Up. And, and one of the lines goes like this. It says, you are the most you when you shine. You are the most you when you shine. As one who has created the image of God, you are the most you when you are living out your identity and your calling and the assignment that God has for you. And so as the music plays and as the band sings, at least this first time through, if you would, I want you to just kind of prayerfully sit in God's presence and reflect on these phrases. Maybe if you would, you know, say them you know, to yourself in your mind and maybe say them to God prayerfully, if you will. First of all, I am your child, God. That is my identity. I commit to my calling to love you and to love others. And I ask you to reassure me of or reveal to me my assignment. I trust in your goodness.